This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hola, bienvenidos, mis amigos. Buongiorno. Welcome to a brand spanking new episode of the Low Life Podcast. I'm your flaming hot and spicy Starbucks seasonal drink loving Amazon overspending. <laughs> a hot mess. Hot mess of a host, Lorenzo von Rumpf. And I'm so happy to be here with you today. There is no place I'd rather be than right here with my low lifers. This is my safe place, my happy place where I could wave my freak flag and just let it all hang out. I hope you are having a beautiful day, a great week so far. But if you're not having a great day, if you're feeling stressed, anxious right now, that seasonal depression is starting to kick in. Oh, I get it. Same. <laughs> I get it. Oh, God. Especially when it comes to the ebbs and flows of depression. My God. Yeah, if you're going through it right now, don't you worry, boo-boo. Don't you fret. You have come to the right place. We're about to turn that frown upside down. we got a great show in store for you today. Oh, I'm so excited for this one. Before we get into this week's episode, let's talk about mental health. Nobody asked, <laughs> but my mental health score this week, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm going to rate it a solid 8.8 out of 10, which is pretty damn high for me, actually. That's an 88%. That's a B plus. That's definitely a high for me in the last few weeks. I'm going to ride this to the wheels fall off. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, I was in the dumps feeling like complete shit. And so right now, feeling happy, feeling situated, feeling grounded in this moment right now, I'm just cherishing these little moments, but there are contributing factors because I'm journaling. And so there are reasons why I'm feeling good right now. First one up, a little Canadian Maple Delight was in town. Got to hang out with Caitlin. She was here filming something for The Bachelorette. It was like a recap finale sort of situation. Anyway, so she came to LA. I was styling her. We were hanging out for a few days. Oh, I styled her in this beautiful green suit with a cute little sparkly bandeau. Finished it off with some white patent leather platform pumps. Oh, I loved it. It was like a 70s vibe, super chic business boss bitch. And so she was serving looks for ABC's The Bachelorette, but it was nice because I got to hang out with other people from the franchise. We hung out with Michelle and had dinner with her. Becca Kufrin, love Becca. She's a sweetheart. And so it was a whirlwind week. Also podcasted. Caitlin and I did a few episodes together. I love co-hosting Off the Vine with her. So if you want a little bit more Caitlin in low action, you can find me on her podcast. I've done a lot of episodes with her in the last few weeks. And so that was nice. And another contributing factor to the mental health upgrade is spending time with the queen, my mama. I drove to Orange County because she was throwing it down in the kitchen and she was making some bomb food. Oh my God, the food that she makes, enchiladas. She did enchiladas verdes. And then of course, a classic red enchilada. I know how to make enchiladas, but I'm not as confident in making them without her somewhere in the room. Uh, just kind of guiding me. And so I want to be able to master these recipes. I mean, especially because it's Hispanic Heritage Month. Well, every month is Hispanic Heritage Month up in our house. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I just want to be able to get these recipes down and cherish these moments where the queen is cooking and teaching me all about different flavors and spices. Like even a pot of beans, frijoles de la olla. I grew up eating this very traditional Mexican dish. It's in pretty much every home. They'll always have a pot of beans going. Like in Asian households, they have a rice cooker. There's always rice cooking at some point. That's how it is with a lot of Mexican households. And so 
These beans, oh my God, they're not just any type of beans. Most people think, oh, beans like chipotle black beans. No, puta, these are way better. There's so much flavor and spice. I mean, she's really going to flavor town on these. And so it feels like a meal within itself. And so I wanted to get that recipe down because she doesn't really measure anything. She just keeps sprinkling a bunch of shit into this pot. And then it all comes together, combines, and the flavors are just... Ah, everything. And so I wanted to get the beans recipe, the frijoles de la olla, arroz con pollo, and then of course enchiladas. And so we did a lot of cooking. I did a lot of eating. Not working out this week. No thanks. All about just eating, feeling good, spending time with friends and family, doing some styling, of course, too. But just enjoying the moment. I'll get back on the workout train next week. Oh, I started watching the Jeffrey Dahmer series on Netflix. Have you watched that yet? It's number one in the country, number one in several countries, actually. Everybody's talking about it. The Jeffrey Dahmer series on Netflix. Whew, it's intense. It's a lot. <laughs> I knew a lot about Jeffrey Dahmer going into this series. I remember I wrote a thesis on Jeffrey Dahmer. I was taking a psychology course. This was when I was back in school. He's one of the most infamous serial killer psychopaths out there. There are a lot of documentaries, stories. There's a lot of research on him. I mean, this is fairly recent. It was in the 90s. I mean, 70s all the way up to the 90s. I think he died in 93. And so it's not that long ago, like when you hear about like Jack the Ripper or something. And so I did a lot of research on him. So when I went into this series, I knew what to expect, but I didn't expect it to be as gut-wrenching and hard to watch as it really is. I mean, of course, Ryan Murphy, he's going to throw some gore in there and the suspense and the music and just, oh, it's a lot. And so I know for some people that's not their cup of tea. It's dark and they don't want to watch something like that. For true crime lovers or people who love American Horror Story, this is definitely up their alley. But I was thinking of covering it on this podcast. Is that something you would be into? Let me know, talking about the Jeffrey Dahmer series. I was thinking it would be good for the people who don't watch the series and then also the people who do, because we're going to break it down. I think that could be a really fascinating conversation. I'll get a couple friends to come on, maybe even someone from the actual series. I know a couple people who are in it. Maybe I can get one of those people to come on, one of the actors. Oh, my wheels are turning. So let me know if that's something you would be interested in. But I thought that could be perfect for spooky season. I always want to keep things fresh here, spice it up. And so that would be definitely more of a scary spice. But then there's the lighter side of life, which is today's episode. It's definitely not scary spice. It's more like manifestation spice. That's what we'll call it. <laughs> this episode is all about manifesting. Are you into manifesting? Have you tried it? It's kind of like the secret. There are a lot of different tools, resources when it comes to manifestation. And before I get into it, let me just tell you this much. When it comes to manifestation, I know it's really popular right now. I personally believe in manifestation, but there's a time and a place for it. And it's not everybody's cup of tea. Uh, some people are like, not for me. I'm not a manifester. I'm good just not doing that in life. <laughs> and so that's totally fine too. There are a lot of different paths, roads you could take in life to achieve your dreams and find happiness. And manifestation doesn't necessarily need to be one of them. And so it's not for everybody. But if you are into it or you're curious about it or hell, if you want to just learn something new, today's episode is going to be great for you because we're diving into the world of manifestation. And there's different mindsets when it comes to it, like scarcity versus the abundance mindset. We talk about that. We all as humans have both sides to our brain, the scarcity and the abundance side. One of them is going to hinder us. The other one is going to help us grow. And so we break that down today. We also talk about digital detoxing and social media. Oh my God, social media. 
there's good to it, but my God, is it bad at times? And I am a firm believer in taking a break from social media, doing a cleanse once in a while. It's really important because it's been proven statistically that social media impacts your mental health in a negative way. It's not all bad, but there is a dark side to it. And so sometimes just taking a break, a little bit of a digital detox is important to restart, recenter, just refocus your attention, your mind, just to give yourself a fight and chance at this crazy roller coaster we call life. We also talk about healing from trauma, past trauma, generational trauma. Oh my God, childhood trauma is real. And there are a lot of people who grew up in really dysfunctional homes. They don't have great relationships with their parents, their families in general. And so when you've experienced that, and now you go into adult life, sometimes it's hard to put yourself first and set boundaries for yourself and people around you. There are people I know personally who have gone through hell and back when it comes to their childhood. They are punishing their parent, whether they realize it or not, it's subconscious for what that parent put them through. Maybe they haven't truly forgiven that parent yet. Maybe the parent doesn't even deserve forgiveness. Unpopular opinion, not everybody deserves forgiveness. And so there's that. (laughs) So I think when it comes to experiencing trauma, which we've all experienced to some extent, so all these things can serve as blockages to reaching our full potential, to achieving our dreams, to finding a dream partner, someone we can trust, or finding a career that we feel happy in. There are some people listening to this right now who are miserable in their job. They don't like their work, or they're not happy in a relationship, or they want to try something new, or maybe you feel lost right now. You don't really have a path that you're set on. You really want to try and find some sort of a path where you're feeling passionate, excited to go into work every day. And so manifesting could be something that you might want to explore and try it out because it could help focus you and really hone in on what brings you true happiness and joy. And I found the perfect person to have this conversation with. I'm talking to Laura Chung. So she's a new friend of mine, new to this show, but I'm so glad I met her. What a beautiful soul. So let me tell you a little bit about Miss Laura Chung. She is a Reiki master. She's a healer, an author. She's an astrologer. And she's also a podcast host. She has a show called Awake and Align. I just started listening to it. It's a great show, and I'm always down for a good self-help podcast. Laura Chung has a Master's of Science in Industrial and Organizational Psychology. She's an activist and a trauma healer who uses her various media platforms to share spiritual wisdom that leads to healing and ultimately being liberated. Laura Chung helps people to transcend their past and transform their current situations by breaking generational cycles of trauma and harmful patterns. Her intention is to help people manifest the life that they deserve, finding pure joy, finding the life of their dreams. And so I'm glad I got to talk to her. I love her vibe. She's from the East Coast. She's a New Yorker. You know, I love my East Coasters. Anyone from the East Coast, I'm like, you're my people because they just tell it like it is. They're not pretentious. They're humble. The ones I've encountered, at least. (laughs) I know I'm sure there's lots of assholes in New York, but the ones who I've become friends with or been introduced to have all been really lovely people. But I know sometimes New Yorkers get a reputation of being like rough around the edges or because they don't sugarcoat anything. But I happen to freaking love that. And so Laura Chung is the perfect combination of a little bit of sweet and some spice. So without further ado, let's jump into today's very special episode with this beautiful Korean queen talking to Miss Laura Chung. Hit it. Let me get myself a hey, uh-huh. Let me get myself a hey, 
So, Laura Chung, honored, privileged to have you here. Uh, I've become a fan of yours. I am part of the Laura Chung official cult. <laughs> and sign me Thank up you. for this community. It's fantastic. Thank uh, you I, so much and, for having me. Oh, I'm so happy that you're here. And I love that I got the online book. I enjoyed because as I'm running around, I have access to it right here on my phone, which is awesome. So I've been enjoying that. And uh, I'm just really excited to have a conversation with you because you've just launched this book into the world, which is mm-hmm. very exciting. September 6th, it just dropped, right? Or third? Yes. September 6th. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's fresh, but before we get into the book, I mean, getting to that point where you're going to write a book and share so much with the world. And this book is awesome because it's not only a good read, it feeds the soul. I feel like it's very action-oriented. There's so many little golden nuggets of wisdom sprinkled throughout it. And so getting to that point where you're taking your, I think you said 40 years of life and mm-hmm. putting it into this beautiful book and sharing some life lessons and, and some tips and tricks and ways that people could feel like become a better version of themselves, get a bit more self-actualized. It's it's really a positive thing to put into this world. But I would love to know a little bit more about you as a person, like little Laura Chung running around. <laughs> like, what was that like? Well, I want to know little Laura Chung and then how you got to this point right now. Like, what's your story? Well, I would say... This book is for all of the wanderers out there, people who never knew what they wanted to do or to be, and people who just want to live life to the fullest. And something that you said, the best version of yourself, I believe that's always available to us. That version of us is always there. This journey, this 40-day journey is more of unfolding and unveiling of who you really are, your authentic self. And sometimes we get lost along the way and we get, you know, sidetracked because our life experiences, how we were raised and certain bad choices or good choices, however you like to see it. (laughs) But yeah, I was a child who was incredibly empathic, creative and intuitive. I had special gifts as some might call them psychic gifts, but I never knew what I wanted to be or who I wanted to be. I was not that person that said I wanted to be a teacher or a doctor. So I just never felt like I fit because, you know, you're supposed to declare your major in college and you're supposed to know what you want to do at 18 and even beyond, right? And I just didn't feel like that was it encapsulated everything that you could be as a human. I believe we're multidimensional and we have nuance and we have these layers to us that just like a niche just felt very limiting to me. So I just literally tried everything. I mean, I got my master's in psychology, but then I went to private equity, which is working in finance in New York City. And then I had, yeah, I had a stint in fashion, a startup. Then I had my own catering company for a little while. Did you have a fashion brand? I'm a full-time stylist, by the way. Oh, I know. I know. Because I Googled you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, it wasn't my startup. I was hired as the second employee. So this was when like, it was the tech boom of early 2009, 2010. Mm -hmm. But I did have a little foray into fashion. And yeah, I just kept trying different things. And when something felt good, I went there. And then that would lead me to something else. And that would lead me to something else. And I wanted to be kind of like Anthony Bourdain, who's like my hero. 
somebody who writes and films culture and shares their experiences. His medium was through food, but mine was through, I guess, travel photography, which then led me into healing and meeting these teachers and studying yoga in India and just accumulating this knowledge. And honestly, I didn't think I wanted to be a teacher. It wasn't necessarily like that's what I sought out to do. But because my life was improving so much, people would ask me, hey, like, what are you doing? Why are you so happy? What's going on? Why are you glowing? (laughs) Yeah. Where's that glow coming from, girl? And you're like, well, actually just came back from India. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm 40. And so I look way better now at 40 than I did at 30 because, you know, I think healing is anti-aging. So yeah, just accumulated knowledge throughout all of my different experiences. And honestly, the book kind of, yes, I've always wanted to write a book, but if I could say something to your listeners is that you have an intention, you have a dream and the way it comes in is totally unexpected and outside of the realm of what your mind can perceive. And this just kind of came into the editor just dropped into my DMs and, you know, oh, really? found me. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Through TikTok. Oh, you've, you have a great following on TikTok. I, I've Thank just started you. following you and the videos are great. And so this was someone that was part of your community on TikTok and then decided to you know, hit you up in the DMs? Yeah, I don't think she was necessarily in the community of TikTok, but she had seen my videos that I was creating because at the beginning of the pandemic, I was just sharing about manifestation and sharing my personal experiences and healing journey and spirituality. And I think I just got in at TikTok at the right time. And so my videos started becoming viral. And I think she saw one of them and then reached out to me to write this book. Nice. So you just don't know is what I'm saying. Yeah, you just don't know. Well, I have to say, finding your path and finding what gives you purpose and and trying to dive into that, explore that, it's easier said than done. And I looked at your book and and saw that you dedicated it to your parents. I think that's beautiful. And your sister. and, And said, thank you for believing in me. And I have to say, when it comes to parents, I I don't know if you're first generation, but you come from immigrants. Yes. And so with that, I feel like I have an added pressure. I'm a little worker bee over here. I got to make something of myself. And it's hard sometimes because I I really want to talk to you about scarcity versus abundance mindset. Mm-hmm. Because when it comes to me, as much as I try and have that abundance mindset, and I want to even define it for listeners who are like, what is that? So we all have both of these mindsets, but they just compete for attention within our own mind. And it's just, which one do we end up choosing to give the most attention to? That ultimately ends up changing our lens on how we see life itself. So there's scarcity side, the abundance side. And so just breaking it down simply The scarcity mindset, it's believing that resources are limited. And once those resources are depleted, they can't be replaced. That's it. It's like the type of person who believes like it's every man for himself. (laughs) Like We all know that type of person or have met someone like that. These are the people who believe, well, there actually isn't enough to go around for everybody. There isn't. And so you need to work your ass off. You got to hustle. You got to grind. You got to put in the most effort. And whoever puts in the most effort and time will ultimately achieve success. They'll win. So that's not all negative necessarily, but it's also not the most fulfilling, you know? (laughs) So scarcity mindsets tend to be complete realists. These are people who 
look at the glass like it's half empty. They're the type of person who focuses more on the negative. Here are the reasons why we're not going to be able to solve a problem. This is the reason why we can't do this. They don't necessarily like competition. People with scarcity mindsets look at things that could be falling apart, and they really focus on that. They focus on the negative side, and they could start to spiral or just give up in general. While somebody who has an abundance mindset looks at something that's falling apart and thinks, oh, wow, this is a golden opportunity to build something new, something even better. Someone who has a scarcity mindset, they tend to be more logical. What's the safest option available to lock in security, whether it be securing money or securing a partner in life? Which partner makes the most sense to marry because this is going to give me the life that I want? This is a more safe, secure option. An abundance mindset, they look at the world like, There is enough to go around for everybody. There is more than enough for everybody. They look at competition as healthy. Like, hell, maybe we could even join forces and collaborate and and win as a team. They take a lot more risks, financial risks, just life risks in general. Because if you have that abundance mindset and you have that almost like carefree, it's all going to work out. It's definitely way more positive, glasses half full type of mentality well, then you know even if you do take a risk or even if you do fall in love with someone and it doesn't work out or or things fall apart in your business that you tried out, it doesn't matter because everything will work out in the grand scheme of things. You're going to be okay. That's the abundance mindset. That's a way more fulfilling mindset to have in life in general. But having scarcity versus abundance mindset, I I feel like just because of what I've learned from my parents and I'm trying to make a better life over here for myself. And, you know, I don't come from money and I, I know how hard they've worked and, and my grandparents have worked to try and make something and, and being Latinos here, you know, coming from migrant farm workers. And also there's a lot of, you know, generational trauma and, and things that our family has experienced a lot of heartache. And so trying to break that and continue and build something great is difficult to do at times, but also having that mindset of like, it's all going to be okay. That abundance might like, it will work out. The universe is enough to go around. The universe will provide for you. That's kind of the abundance mindset mentality, right? Yes. But I'm over here like, no, they won't. I can't trust. <laughs> I can't trust nobody. Mother nature. I don't even trust her. It's freaking global warming. I'm freaking sweating my tits off over here. And so, and the, that's what I, my mom has always been like that. Like the only one you could really rely on is yourself. And, and if yeah. you, you got to work your tail off and, and I mean, work is so important and building something great and trying to, you know, save, 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 because you never know when it's going to be gone is so crucial, you know, and that's kind of how our our family has been run. And that's my mom is getting out of the barrio in the ghetto and trying to become something. So she's very big on work your ass off. Family, of course, comes first, but work is right up there with it. It's so important and build, 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 because you never know when it's going to fall, you know, or get taken right from beneath you. And so I don't know if your experience is are similar to that. If you have a, a scarcity mindset and had to kind of <laughs> paradigm shift, or I'm curious to know a little bit about your upbringing in that way. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story because I feel like there's a kinship with first-generation kids who grew up with immigrant parents because it's such a unique experience. And I oftentimes feel like we live between worlds from our motherland, our parents, and our generational and ancestral lineages. And then their own experience as being immigrants was very traumatic. 
and then our experiences in the United States and having to grapple with that pressure, as you said, because they sacrificed everything for us. And I think that part of writing this book was decolonizing our minds and also healing our scarcity mindset because a lot of what we believe abundance to be has been lost throughout our parents' travels here and also the way they had to assimilate and the way they had to strip their identities to survive and to basically survive, let's be honest, right? Because racism is real. But then knowing that, knowing where it comes from, and knowing that throughout our whole ancestral lineages, probably through war, through colonization, that that feeling of abundance was lost. And so when you know that, you understand where their perspective of life comes from and the situation in which they had to operate here in the United States. And so... Actually, I wanted to call this book Healing Our Belief in Scarcity because in nature, scarcity doesn't exist. I live in the Northeast in New York. And so even in the wintertime when things look dead, things are just resting because everything is continuously in the death and rebirth cycle. Mm, And I also, my book is in days, not chapters. And there's a day called Rewilding where that's part of our healing process is to get back to the regeneration part of what's been lost. And so, yeah, like 100%, it's like the default mode in my mind. Like there's not enough. I need to go work. I need to like hustle and grind. But it's a continuous healing journey of reminding myself that that's how they operated. And I don't need to operate that way anymore because it's not healthy for us. And it's also just not good for our nervous systems. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, I, I am trying to reprogram myself, and but it's it's sometimes difficult to do that. It's when so it's, difficult. Yeah. When it's all I've known, and I've been kind of ingrained in that. I like that you mentioned, I think this was on your podcast. Oh, yeah. I've been listening to your podcast, reading your book. I'm all up on your TikTok, <laughs> on IG, Google it, like swim fan over here, just obsessed with Laura Chung. But you did mention something that I was like, oh, good for you. I I love that. And I got a like little mental note to remember to do that. I love this. Digital detoxing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've talked about it on the show before, but we get so consumed with creating content. Actually, this was a, a podcast episode you had released. And you talked about how sometimes you are in the mood, you have the creative energy, you feel like you're in the moment and you're going to create, boom, 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 get some great content out there. I think all of us right now are constantly consuming so much shit. We have so much being thrown at us. And I've, I follow a couple Instagram accounts and they help in, in growing your community and, and building a following. And one of the biggest things is constantly keep posting. You yes. have to keep producing content. The more, the better. Even if it's not something you're that excited about, put it out there. Stop overthinking it. Just keep releasing, keep creating. And so I got into that mode of creating and I I do enjoy it at times as I'm sure you do, but I can end up feeling completely depleted. And so when it comes to you in social media, having those reserves having those times to take a break. How have you had a paradigm shift in that? And so when you take a break, you don't feel like, oh God, I'm having to rebuild when I come back. Oh God, I'm I'm going to be losing followers or I'm I'm not I'm going to be missing out on work opportunities like that sort of stuff. It's really tough. How have you kind of navigated that obstacle because it's really tough right now because that's constantly what we're being told. The more better, better, better. Yeah. The biggest 
form of resistance is rest. And more people don't realize that that we live in late stage capitalism, which thrives on overconsumption, overdoing, overworking. And so my form of resistance is giving a middle finger to that and saying like my body and my mental health and my nervous system is way more important than creativity on demand because that's not how creativity works. It ebbs and flows and you have to replenish yourself because we're energetic beings. We're we have electromagnetic fields. And so if you drain your battery, you have to like plug yourself back in. I mean, it's it's physics. It's not just spiritual like woo-woo shit. And you know what? I felt that pressure too, because especially when your content starts going viral and you're like, oh, I have to like keep this going. Yeah, the momentum. The momentum. And also like, like you said, a fear of losing out on opportunities. But I also run under the assumption that what is meant for me will never miss me. And what I seek is seeking me too. So like if it is meant for me and the people really want to work with me, then they'll be patient and they'll wait. Like exactly what you said in the beginning, I was, I it's Mercury retrograde. So I got the time wrong in our conversation. And you said, no worries, like I'm willing to wait. And that's so not how corporate America works and capitalism, because there's this sense of like, well, you're late. You lost your chance. Bye. Oh, God. Those urgent emails in all caps. The urgency. Yes. Oh, like I was like, oh, God, I don't want her to feel that. Like I I just slid into the DMs through a couple little emojis. Let's soften it. It's all good. (laughs) You know, I just didn't want to put that on you. Yeah. And I appreciate that so much because it's so rare. And so, yeah, I, I think about, you know, my creativity, it, it's a form of energy too. And it's it cannot just come out out of nowhere. It has to, I also have to be inspired. So right. I speak about this in the manifestation book. When you want to manifest something, you also have to be inspired. So are you looking at beautiful art? Are you listening to beautiful music? Are you yourself your own muse? Mm, yeah. Oh, I love that. Becoming your own muse mm-hmm. and getting inspired by like little daily things that sometimes we forget to do. Dance, listen to music, read a good book, that sort of stuff. Recharge. I like that idea of cycles of creativity because sometimes I feel like, oh God, I lost it. I lost my mojo. I'm not like, I lost my funny or I lost the creativity or I'm not, again, producing something great. But sometimes it is nice to just realize it comes in cycles and it will be okay. It works out in the end. Yes. And what I see for the future of like content creation, influencers, and people who create in general is doing it in these cycles. So like seasons. So I kind of moved my podcasting model to that. Like you create content for a specific season Mm -hmm. and then you stop and you take rest. Because also during that time of rest, it's not just sleeping or it's not just sitting on the couch doing nothing you are trying something different. Maybe you're, instead of you getting inspired by art, you get inspired by electronic music or something. And that really gets your creative juices flowing. So I think we're going to see more of that happening because it's just the burnout culture is real. Like people can't just keep producing. 
Yeah, I'm seeing a, a big shift right now, especially with millennials, our generation specifically. My God, it's rise and grind. Mm-hmm. Get that money. Whether you come from immigrants or not, I feel like that's definitely pushed in the culture right now of you got to grind and uh, and build something great. We're all building empires and brands like, okay, well, sometimes I want to just rise and I don't want to grind. I want to rise and just... <laughs> Sleep and be a little lazy, a little sloth life, yes. you know, take care of me. Yeah, I think, and yeah. just feeling okay to do that and not feel like I'm missing the bus in some sort of way is a bit refreshing and better for all of our mental health. My God. Hair thinning impacts a lot of us. In fact, over half of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives. It's not only common, it's normal. Join over 1 million people who are doing something about it with Nutrafol. I've been recommending it to my friends and family. I take it. My mama, the queen, takes it. Queen, you love it. Oh, yeah. I recommend it to my hairstylist. I recommend my sister-in-law and even my niece. We range in age from like 22 to 67. They're loving it. Yeah, they are. It's a great Mother's Day gift. Oh, I love it. It's amazing. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code LOWLIFE. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code LOWLIFE. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code LOWLIFE. In the book, you touch on, there's several themes in the book. One theme that I picked up on is this overall theme of forgiveness. And forgiveness, it's, you know, there's a, a lot of directions we can go with that. One thing that you've brought up is I like these little mini homework assignments, but these are homework assignments that will you won't hate doing. These are ones that are going to be better for you and make you a better person. And one thing was like wiping the slate clean. And one way to do that is by journaling, for example, getting a new journal. And I'm someone who loves to journal. I try to do it every morning. I have the five-minute meditational journal, which I think you're mentioned in that, which is awesome. So I have that one, but I I have started a brand new journal and I'm trying to wipe the slate clean. When it comes to that journaling, wiping the slate clean, forgiveness, those themes in your book, (sighs) trying to figure out, you know, what brings you joy? What makes you happy? What gets you excited for life? You know, what is something that you would do for free? These are all questions that you ask of the reader in your book. So you have to kind of really challenge yourself to to do a deep dive and answer those questions for yourself. Forgiveness comes in a lot of different forms and varieties. And you, you've spoken about forgiveness. And as someone like you, who's been candid about being a survivor of domestic abuse, for example, mm-hmm. my God, it must be really hard to get to that place of forgiveness. And and there's it's a, it's heavy. And so I would love to talk to you a little bit about that because I know it's difficult. How did you navigate that road? What brought you to the point where you are at a, a healthy spot of feeling forgiveness and, and the importance of that? I'd love for you to touch on it. Yeah, it's all about pattern recognition. And when you realize that you're repeating cycles from your parents and then from your ancestors, and it's not serving you, and you have to start looking at yourself and noticing, where did this come from? Mm -hmm. Like that simple question and being curious 
And then you realize that a lot of the things that we learned is modeled from our parents. And there's a lot of nuance here because we can hold our family members and our parents accountable for the wrongdoings that they've done, but also we get to decide that that's, that ends with us, that we get to break that cycle. And so not playing the victim within myself because I blamed everything on my parents. Like if yeah. I was having a bad day, it was my parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every, <laughs> every single thing. And, you know, what happens is you start to build resentment. And then I was just like an angry person. I was like a raging alcoholic. I was really. Oh my goodness. You dealt with alcoholism. I mean, alcoholism in the sense that I used it to numb. Mm. So, you know, alcoholism, I think there's like a grayscale there where in New York City, it's very acceptable to drink all the time and, you know, use it as a tool to escape. But I didn't know how to deal with all of these repressed feelings of anger and resentment towards my parents. Cause it's not just my dad, it was my mom, you know, cause they were complicit in this together. So I just went through a lot of introspection. I've done talk therapy in the past, but I went through ancestral healing, somatic healing. I've never heard of that. It's the trauma lives in our body. Like the body keeps the score. Mm-hmm. And Resma Menikim, who is my teacher, I've taken his courses, speaks to racialized trauma and how it lives in our body. And doing the somatic work helps you to release it. And what you were saying in the beginning, we could tell ourselves we're wealthy and abundant all we all we want, but it's in our cells, like it's in our tissues, you know, all of this intergenerational and ancestral trauma. So the forgiveness journey was more, it wasn't like, I wanted to forgive my dad. It had nothing to do with him. It was more for myself that I was in this cycle of repeating unhealthy relationships and just not dealing with things that happened throughout my past. So yeah. it's, a, it's an ongoing journey, but I feel like I'm in a place now where I don't get triggered so much by everything that my parents do and we can finally live peacefully. Yeah. Do you have a relationship where you could even talk to them about this sort of stuff? Or is it like you got to work that out in therapy and just know, like, leave it where it's at with them, you know, like, cause yeah. it's just too much to even unpack with them. It's like, let's just, I'm going to handle this solo mission over here. Yeah. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was very much solo for a long time. And I do have to say like, my dad is unconscious and it's a whole cultural component where Right now, people romanticize Korean culture and Korean men because of K-pop and K-drama. Yeah. But it's very it's very normalized in Korean culture, like violence and domestic violence. Really? And it's Oh, yeah. It's not something that people talk about because it's like, you know, we all keep it secret. Yeah. But it's very rampant in Korean culture. And so in his mind, he didn't do anything wrong. And so, like, I had to go through a lot of that by myself. Whereas my mom is a little bit more conscious and I can speak to her about it now, but she definitely was, you know, gaslighting and in denial for a long time because when you have to be responsible and accountable that you let it happen, then that's like a whole other journey that, you know, she had to go down. So yes and no, like I can talk about it now, but yeah. 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 I get it. I get what you're saying. Well, and even with that, so with Korean culture... 
and parents that, you know, use, you know, like physical punishment, like, is that the way that you were disciplined? It was like physical, like that's very normalized. Is that in the parenting style too of Korean houses? Is that, oh, I didn't even yeah. know. Really? Oh yeah. That's why I was, I think like eight years old when I realized that wasn't normal. Cause like my white friends and <laughs> their parents' <laughs> relationships were so different and I was like, wait. You're over here getting beat. I'm like, you don't get spanked. Like, you don't get whipped. Whipped. <laughs> I'm like, I'm laughing only because, like, it it's so normalized. Yes. And, but nobody talks about it, too, because, like, Korean culture is based on secrecy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I feel like it's so important for me to speak out and why I have these platforms, because I believe it's a Brene Brown quote that says, like, shame lives through silence. And mm. so the more I can speak about it and the more I can share my own experience, you know, you lift up the shame and the veil. Yeah. Yeah. And when you sharing that too and being able to talk about it, there's so many people listening right now that have gone through that or in, were, grew up in the same sort of house. I didn't grow up in a house that was like that, but I didn't because my mom and dad both grew up in highly very abusive homes. But Hispanic culture, it's very similar. Although I don't think Hispanics, Latinos were not veiled in secrecy. I think they're very like, we beat our kids, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Freaking little chonkla to the head. I'm like, shit. And like, and? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they, they really just let it all hang out. But my mom, because she wanted to try and break that cycle, that was a real line in the sand for her when it came to the marriage with my father was, you know, we're not going to agree on everything with parenting, but my number one thing is you can't hit him. Please, we can't, considering, you know, what she went through was terrible, violent. And so my dad, it's crazy. My dad still was like, I really want to beat him, Um, but but he didn't. Thanks, dad, for not, you know, but it's tough. Yeah. And having those conversations, even it's, it's funny you say that about when you have white friends that you would see them and they wouldn't be getting hit from their parents or, oh, you don't, you don't get whipped. What? (laughs) (laughs) It's so true because I've talked to my mom about it and she said something really similar where she'd go to different homes and be like, oh, wait, that's, that's not normal. That's not the thing here. It kind of throws you for a loop a little bit. I get it. I would love to talk about some manifestation techniques with you. There are so many that you talk about in the book. Again, there's like little tiny exercise that you can do. It's not overwhelming, which is nice. The part of the book after every chapter or day, as you mentioned, or week at the end, there's like these little exercises you can do. But when it comes to manifestation, what are some techniques for someone who is not familiar with it, new to it? What should they be doing? What can they do to manifest? Is it like the secret, you know? Okay. So I lay out a 40 day journey. It's a process for everybody. And you have to define what manifestation means to you because some people think it's goal setting. Great. You go with that. But me, manifestation is consciously co-creating with a higher benevolent force called who I believe is source universe. And based on my imagination and what I desire. So the quickest, and I don't mean quickest in like it's easy, but the fast track towards manifestation is actually doing shadow work and the inner work because those are the things that are blocking you from what it is that you desire and doing this healing journey because week three is all about healing and like understanding what's blocking you. So for example... I speak about in my book that I'm manifesting a soul partnership, somebody who's like meant for me, who's my divine counterpart. 
But I knew in order for me to manifest that, I had to do that forgiveness journey with my parents. And I had to go back in all of my fears of intimacy and commitment and all of these, you know, conditioned belief systems about like relationships and what are relationships, right? Because we were never taught these skills in school ever yeah. and how to communicate and how to effectively communicate. So I guess like it's not waiting because you're doing work, but it's more reflective work versus like outwardly like going out there. And like the action steps is actually comes from a place of alignment. So like when you take action, it's like, okay, an action step could be downloading an app, downloading a dating app or putting yourself out there. But really the bulk of the work is doing that inner work to reveal to you like where these blocks come from. Finding the origin. Exactly. Is that doing it on your own or do you need you need help with that? Because I'm like, where do you even start with that? Like a therapist? I mean, my book is a great start because a lot of people that will start this journey ha- maybe have never done that work before. So mm. like you said, I offer questions. I ask you to journal. But then if you want to go deeper, yeah, definitely go see a therapist, go see a relationship therapist, do healing, do ancestral healing. And there's so many amazing healers and teachers out there to go deeper. But my book is really the process to introduce you to like what to do. Talking about healing, there's this guy, I think it was on Goop. I watched that. Did you watch the Goop series on Netflix? Gwyneth Paltrow, she did five different episodes or probably more, but there was one in particular about an energy healer. Yes, I did see that one. Okay. What are your thoughts on that? So this guy, for for context, he doesn't even put his hands on you. This guy is just all around the, like your aura, you know, someone's laying on a, like a massage table. This guy's going over you. And Julianne Huff, who, I don't know how I feel about Julianne Huff. Uh, she's a lot sometimes, but you know, <laughs> in this she's <laughs> in this one she's you know like convulsing, like she's going through it. This guy's not even touching her, and she is. And there's another energy healer that one of my clients was just telling me about that he could basically go over your body, you know, with I think six to twelve inches of space and make you orgasm mm-hmm. um, just through not even touch. It's just through energy and. I'm thinking like, wait, what is going on here? I've, I've never experienced that. I'm curious because I know you practice Reiki. Yes. And so I would love to get your take on it because I was thrown a little bit. Even watching it, I'm like, I would love to try it. I looked the guy up. I don't have the $2,500 for a 30-minute session. No, you don't. I, yeah, <laughs> it's just a lot. You know, my money's going to be spent. I wanted a new coffee table. So, you know, I'm yeah. just budgeting for stuff like that. But yeah. <laughs> um, if I have that nice disposable $2,500 income to go get a little orgasm without being touched, I'm down. But I'd love to know, <laughs> what are your thoughts on it? Have you done that before? Have you tried it? Um, no. And there's so much to say on this topic. And I wish we had done like a whole other podcast episode. But yes, we are energy. We have electromagnetic fields and our energy fields can be as wide as like my hand out here. So when I when I do energy healing, I don't need to touch you. And it could be done through the internet, through Zoom. Wow. But what, what I will say is we have to be careful first of who these people are, who they studied from, and who, like what lineage and practice of study that they're doing it from. Because 
you just don't know what energies you're like opening up and are they qualified to close appropriately and like what entities and deities are they like bringing into the space. So that's Mm. why it's important to know who you're going to ask them who their teachers are, what lineage they're practicing from. Because anybody can take a weekend course and call themselves an energy healer now or a shaman. Like everybody and their mom now in in LA is a shaman. But you want to have like discernment for who you go to. And then secondly, I think opening up your energy in that way too quickly without having proper grounding technique is really dangerous because like psychedelics, when you open up your consciousness like that, there could be disassociation and psychosis. The second story that you shared is like a kundalini activation. Kundalini. Yes, kundalini, which which I talk about in the book. I'm a kundalini yoga teacher. And that kind of raising of that energy or opening up that energy takes time. And so I'm just wary of when it happens that quickly, because then do you know how to integrate that energy? Do you know like the kind of openings and portals and gates that you're now exposed to? So I would just have a little discernment. Like if you want to have a $2,500 orgasm, like that's amazing. But (laughs) (laughs) Sure. I would be more wary because not everybody is qualified to do that kind of work. I'll just put it that way. It's kind of like when you say opening up a portal. I know when it comes to energy and bringing, you don't know what you could be yourself set up with. It's kind of like people who are really not okay with like a Ouija board, for example. Mm -hmm. We're like, whoa, whoa, what are you bringing that bad woo-woo into the house? You know? Yes. And I'm always like, let's bring it. I want (laughs) I want to see, I want a dark spirit up in here. I don't care any spirit. Talk to me. Um, but also, I'm very care. I was doing that when I was younger, but I'm like, I got to be careful with that shit now. I was going to ask if you've ever done ayahuasca. Have you tried microdosage of mushrooms? I've just been talking about it with people because it's becoming very popularized right now, especially with dealing with depression. A lot of people are using microdosing yes. um, to deal with uh, depression, which I I see that's been pretty beneficial. Yes. I've never done ayahuasca because I believe these plants call to you, just like the wand in Harry Potter, you know, calls to you. You're a wizard, Harry. Because they are our, like, allies. And I haven't been called by ayahuasca, but I've been called by psilocybin and doing journeys and microdosing. But what you'll find is that these aren't addictive plant medicines. Like once you go on a journey, you're like, I'm good and it's time to integrate this. But doing those journeys helped me really see and really understand some things that might have been hidden like on, in the unconscious. Mm. And I do really believe in plant medicines. Again, like I work with BIPOC women. So women of color who work very closely to the land and the people and the cultures that are associated with these plant medicines. Yeah. Of all the places you've traveled, you've been around the world. Uh, I just was watching your story and I was like, oh, I love this. You're Indonesia. And I think there was Bali. Like all, You've been to a lot of places. I'm like, wow, aspirational. I want to do that. I want to book a trip. But of everywhere you've gone, where are you booking a ticket to go back to? One place, top of the heap that really did it for you. You felt the most centered, got the most from the culture, the energy. Where where would you go back? Because that's where I want to go. Uh, my motherland, Korea. Really? Yeah, I wanted to go this year, but I don't think it's going to happen. So probably next year. And st- 
stay longer and really connect back to my ancestral homeland. Yeah. Do you still have family there? I do. I actually have a lot of, I don't know if it's this way in your culture, but I have like a hundred cousins. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I have is. like, my dad is one of six. My mom is one of five. And then they all have, you know, their children and we roll yeah. deep. So like yeah, there's Koreans all these. are like rabbits. And, sa- <laughs> and same with Hispanic, Latinos. Yeah. I got, my dad's one of 17. And so one of 17 massive. Yeah. All the same mom and dad too. No sets of twins. Those are all individual wow. little, just popping them out. Boo, boo, boo. My mom's one of four. And so, but yeah. Damn I, grandma. Yeah. She threw it down. And so no contraceptives up at that Catholic church. No. So wow. Super Catholic anyway. So I get it. Okay. So you got about a hundred cousins yeah. Um, in Korea. Oh, that's cool. Have you connected with them and, and been able to visit like on the first time you went? Um, the first time I went was 2005 and I went for a month and by myself, beautiful experience. And then second time was 2017 with my sister. We spent some time there and then there's a cultural and language barrier there, but it's really fun to play with that. So yeah, we have tons of cousins, tons of aunties and uncles and Oh, that's so cool. Do you are you flu- do you speak or is it a little broken but you could speak? It's pretty broken, but yeah. I can speak like I can get by, but I understand everything. Oh, which I think is yeah. a symptom of first generation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, here at the Low Life podcast, we always like to do a round of rapid fire questions. All right, so without further ado, let's jump into a round of Rapid fire questions. Here we go. Cottage on the beach or cabin in the woods? Cottage on the beach. Nice. And I want to know what beach, though, because you've been to many beautiful beaches. Mm, That's a good question. I feel like I haven't been there yet. Nice. Okay. Who is a crush for you? It could be male, female, celebrity crush, just anyone that's out there in the media. Trevor Noah. Trevor. Oh, great choice. I said that really fast. Trevor Noah. <laughs> Trevor Noah. <laughs> if your belly button had a magical power when you press it, any power, you press that belly button, what the hell would you make your belly button do? Fly. Oh, you want to fly. Nice. What is your last meal on death row? The first thing that comes to mind is pizza because I'm a New Yorker and I grew up eating pizza at least like once a week and it's still my favorite food. So I would say pizza and then probably some Korean dish, but I can't pick one because there's so many. When are you most inspired? In nature. All right. What is a movie that is a mood changer for you? This is a movie that you've seen more than once, a movie that you could quote, and it doesn't have to be a happy movie if you want to go to a dark place. That's fine. We'll go there. But a movie you've seen at least more than once (laughs) that you love. Harry Potter. Oh. All of them. Yes. I would say you're a Hufflepuff. (laughs) You think I'm a Hufflepuff? I do. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so nice. I love Hufflepuff, yeah. <laughs> You're- but I took that quiz and I'm a Slytherin. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same. House of Slytherin. But I was like, oh, Hufflepuff, like making little potions and stuff. Oh, and that's so yeah. nice. Healing that. house. Are you familiar with the love languages? There's like yes. five love. Okay, so uh, you have acts of service, physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, gifts. Yeah. So what is your top love language? 
Well, it's easy because what I love to give is quality time and what I like to receive is quality time. Oh, nice. All right. What is something that people commonly get wrong about you? So I think people based on like my outward appearance think that I'm, that I'm not smart and that I'm not deep, that I just like to have fun. But when you like really talk to me, I'll ask like, what are your childhood traumas? What are your big three in astrology? And why are you still single? Like, those are pretty deep <laughs> questions when you first meet me. So yeah, people, <laughs> yeah. people were like, shit, I thought you just wanted to take a shot with me. And here she comes. With, yeah, there's a lot of depth. Yeah. Of, yeah, deep as the ocean. Exactly. Yeah, I get that. All right. What is the last show that you binge watched? House of the Dragon. Oh, nice. Okay. Are you happy with it? Well, I was like, after Game of Thrones season eight, I'm not getting into this. I'm not getting into this. And then, of course, I got into it. And I just binged all four episodes. And it's so good. Oh, really? Okay. I haven't gotten into it yet, but I'm down. So good. Yeah. What are the top two songs on your playlist right now? I love Harry Styles. I love his As It Was. And then Lizzo, It's Bad Bitch, bitch a plot. plot. It's Thick 30. 30. When you die and come back to this world, let's say you believe in reincarnation. I what do. Would, you do. All right. What would you like to come back? What type of animal would you choose to come back to this beautiful world as? Oh, animal? Because I was going to say a rich white man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to know what it's like <laughs> to have all the audacity and have all that confidence and have the world cater to you. Like, uh -huh. I would love to know what that feels like. Yeah, just to be, yeah, be like a J.P. Morgan Chase or something. Just a rich white dude. Any cisgendered, heterosexual white man with money. Like, it just must feel like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a different type of animal. But if we're talking about like some sort of an animal in nature, perhaps, yeah. not the concrete jungle, what animal would you choose? <laughs> Probably a dolphin. Oh, I love it. Wow. I'm curious. Why did you pick a dolphin? Because I love the ocean, they have fun, and I think they're the only animals that have sex for pleasure. They are. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and also, they'll try and have sex with humans. Really? <laughs> I didn't know that part. <laughs> There's some videos. I did a bit of a deep dive. I was in a dark place. And I, saw, I started looking up, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, they just go into town. But they are very intelligent, beautiful. Mine, I'm an ocean creature, too. Uh, mine is an orca whale is my number oh, one. Oh, wow. I love orcas. Okay, so this podcast comes out on Thursdays. So going into the weekend, we like to leave the low lifers, as we call the listeners here, my low lifers. And so if you could just give them a little something, something, a quote, some words to live by, something you like to tell yourself on the regular. It could be from somebody else or yourself, but just something to leave the low lifers with going into the weekend. And there's so many quotes in your book alone. If you want some great quote, I love some like all the quotes that you have. But anyway, if there's one that you could leave us with. Yeah. So I already said it during this conversation, but something that I always remind myself is <clears throat> if you just understand the principles of energy and how this universe works, then what is meant for you will not miss you. What is meant for you will not miss you. So you can relax then and just go about your life and you don't have to be impatient. You don't have to worry or doubt because again, 
what is meant for you will always be there waiting for you when you're ready. Mm, beautifully said. That's the perfect note to leave this podcast on. Oh, I love that. A little sigh of relief. Thank you for that. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Low Life Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I cannot believe we are almost at our 100th freaking episode. 100 episodes? Holy shit. I'm in shock. I had no expectations for this podcast. Full disclosure, complete transparency here. I was just hoping to get 10 episodes out into the world. I was hoping we'd have enough listeners to just get 10 freaking episodes recorded. And then when we got 20, I was like, wow, 20 episodes. When we hit 50, I was like, oh my God, that is a gift. 60 episodes, I was like, oh, what a blessing. And now we're almost at 100 episodes. This was episode 99. And I'm just blown away. I'm at a loss for words, which says a lot considering I never shut the hell up. I'm always talking, even to myself. I just never stop talking. And so I'm speechless though, because being able to do this and have a community, it's one thing to have a podcast, but there's just so much more to this show than just it simply being a podcast that's out every week. This is a community of people that we've built from the ground up. I mean, it started with just a few listeners, my OG lowlifers, but it has grown. It snowballed into something that's so special that I will never take it for granted. I have amazing listeners, some of the most open-minded, free-thinking, creative, just good humans, top deck of the Titanic, the creme de la creme of humans over here. And yeah, we're messy. Yeah, we don't got our shit together at all times. And maybe our mental health could be in the dumps most days, but that's okay because we got each other. And so with this podcast, being able to proudly be perfectly imperfect and be a bit of a hot mess at times is something that's so special to me. I always want to make sure that I challenge myself to be vulnerable and always stay open and honest and just keep it 100 with my listeners. And that's what I've done since day one. And I read your messages. I see your DMs, your emails. I read your messages in the Facebook group and what you guys are posting. And you are just as vulnerable and just as honest and really put yourself out there in a way that we've been able to connect over this platform. And I will never take that for granted. I will never take you as a listener for granted. The entire reason I even have this podcast, The Low Life, is because of you, the listener. The show would be nothing. It'd be shit if it weren't for you tuning in every single week, sharing it with your friends, your family, your loved ones, recommending it to people at work, your colleagues, and just building this community out. I'm so forever grateful for it. It has really helped my mental health. And so thank you for that. And so I wanted to do something very special for my 100th episode with a guest you know and love and feel so good with. And so we're going into a new season, a new chapter of The Low Life pretty damn strong. And that's the way I want to keep it, always putting out great content for you because there are millions of podcasts out there. Hundreds, hell, thousands of podcasts are launching every single day. So the fact that you're choosing to be here at the Low Life Podcast, listening every single week means everything to me. And again, I'll never take you for granted as a listener. And I want to show my appreciation. I want to say gracias. Thank you from the bottom of my spicy heart for supporting this podcast. And so I'm keeping the Low Life Gifting Suite open for business I'm giving away gifts, free shit. And who doesn't love to get free stuff? Come on now. Even if you're not going to use what you're being sent, you could re-gift it, give it to somebody else and keep spreading the joy. 
And so if you want a chance to win a little something, something, all you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave that five-star review, and this review could be anything you want it to be. Leave a little unicorn, a salsa dancer, leave a little happy face, or throw a couple dick emojis my way. It's all welcomed. Each review is so appreciated, and it really does make an impact. That's the thing. If you want to keep a little up-and-coming shit show, like the low life in business, (laughs) if you want to impact a show, a podcast that you love— That's the way to do it. Of course, using the sponsor codes, that's a game changer on the financial side. But with the algorithm, the analytics, even the way you're able to get sponsors on a podcast goes down to the reviews. How many reviews do you have on Apple Podcasts? And so if you enjoy the show, if you want to support it and you want to make an impact, it's a small gesture that impacts the show in a big way. So thank you. Thank you for taking the time to leave that review. And I want to shout out some low lifers who have written reviews on Apple Podcasts. Oh, and if you want something from the gifting suite, just make sure you put your Instagram handle somewhere in the review, beginning, middle, end, put your IG handle, because then I might just be sliding into your DMs and sending you a little something, something in time for the holidays. All right, first one up comes from Queen at Sarah underscore Zimmer. Sarah Zimmer writes, simply the best. Five stars. Love the recent episode on all things skin related. So much good advice and takeaways from the show. As always, my fave podcast each week. I love the show and keep them coming. She threw a little dick emoji my way. It gave me a heart and a little crown. Thank you for that, Sarah Zimmer. I'm glad you enjoyed that episode. I love skincare. God, I wish I was either a dermatologist in life or a chef. Those would be my other two careers that I would throw myself into. Or a lawyer. Oh, I would love to be like a prosecutor, a district attorney. (gasps) Ah, so chic. Anyway, I'm glad you enjoyed that episode. I'm really passionate about skincare. I know there's so many products out there. There's so much information. My God, I'm overwhelmed. I mean, you just go to Sephora and I'm like, what the f***? There's so much stuff that they have to offer that it can be a bit overwhelming. So I just want to make the process of taking care of your skin a little easy, breezy, lemon squeezy. These are the five basic steps that you need to do. Here are the products that you need. This is what you don't need. Throw this out, spend your money on this, and boom, there you go. Some glowing skin. So I'm glad you enjoyed that episode. All right, next review comes from A-W-H-X-Z-R-U-P-G. F-C-J-N-N. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't even know how to say that. <laughs> yeah. writes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have no idea. That's like a nickname. I don't know. It's like hieroglyphics up in here. So I'm just going to try and read this Ostrostrogen review. Here we go. Loving Low. Five stars. I love how open-minded and non-judgmental Low is. It makes me happy to listen to someone's heart be so open to anyone and everything his guests have to share. This is the best podcast. Thank you for that. Yeah, sometimes I'm judgy, but I try not to be on this show. (laughs) I feel (laughs) like we all could be a little bit judgmental at times, but I know firsthand people judging my ass constantly on these streets. And so people talking shit and judging me left and right. And so I wanted a safe place where that doesn't happen. And so I'm open-minded to different religious views, political views. And that's the thing. As long as somebody's not hateful, I'm down to hear their opinion. I want to hear where they're coming from because there has to be a reason for their belief system. And so I want to explore that. And so on this podcast, yes, we accept and love and I want to know about everybody. I want to hear everybody's story. And so, yeah, you're going to hear people who are Republican or Democrat or you know, super devout Christian, holy rollers. And I also have my atheist friends. And the way that I'm open-minded or non-judgmental on this podcast really reflects my personal life 
with people that I've encountered because I have friends of all different walks of life. Yes, I have super conservative friends who think being gay is a choice. Yes, they are wrong, but it doesn't mean I don't want to hear them out and have conversations and have some sort of dialogue because at the end of the day, we're all human. And for the most part, I feel like the intention is pure. And so thank you for noticing that this is a non-judgmental, open-minded podcast because that's very, very important to me. All right, we have time for one more review, and this one is coming in hot from at Jackson Richter, J-A-X-O-N-R-I-C-H-T-E-R, and her name is actually Jacqueline. So this queen writes, my favorite, five stars, hands down, you and KB are my favorites. I have so many books on tape that are pending whenever a new episode comes out from you. Thank you for brightening my day. Keep on shining. She gave me a little star eyes, all in a whale emoji for the pod. <laughs> I love it. Gave me a little whale shooting up water. Thank you for that, Jacqueline. I appreciate you, Queen. I love that you are a bookworm because same. You'll definitely have to join the Low Life Book Club coming soon to a theater near you. I'm starting the book club. That's something I'm very excited about. Cannot wait. And that's the perfect note to leave this week's episode on. I hope you have a beautiful weekend. Maybe start a new book. Take some time for yourself masturbate, watch a good series. Oh, the new Hocus Pocus is out. Watch a little Hocus Pocus part two. That's going to be good. Take some time for self-care. Pour yourself a nice big glass of wine. Maybe enjoy a delicious margarita with some tahini around the rim. But don't forget to drink your water, puta. We, we love, love you, you and we're out. <laughs> Bye. Bye guys. <laughs>